The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I'm Annette Colmer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman is athletic, classy, and beautiful. But for many years, this combination was just a mask for the chaos that was happening on the inside. She was hacked by alcohol and substance abuse. Some close to her knew this, but instead of confronting and helping her, they became her enablers. Then she had a child, and the world seemed right, and her drinking stopped, but for only two years. But the tipping point of real change came when her husband realized she was destroying herself and demanded she get help. This shook her awake, and a new path was charted. She got help, but more importantly, learned to close the gap between dreaming of how she wanted her life to be with doing what she needed to do to make her dreams come true. And she knew she could help others do the same. Her story of greatness began unfolding. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Crystal Waltman. Hi, Crystal. Thank you for joining me today. Annette, it's my honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we have a lot to cover, so I'm going to get. I'm going to jump right on in. Okay, so okay. you have been a successful woman who has had many points of realization that have created so much wisdom. So let's get started. Looking back on your life journey, you realize you were in an abusive relationship with yourself. So my question to you is: How have you seen other successful women abuse themselves, and what advice would you give to turn this around? Yes, I see a lot of women that are just stuck in the cycle of themselves. And it's like the insanity in their head and they keep doing the same thing over and over expecting a different result. And, you know, when you see them now six months, they're, they're playing that same tape in their head. So my advice to them would be change the tape in your head and ask for help because you can close the gap between dreaming and doing. So how did you, I'll dig into that just a little bit deeper. So how did you stop the tape in your head? Did you seek out a counselor? Did you, what did you do? Yes, I did. I had a spiritual advisor. Basically, you have to rewrite all those tapes. You have to rewrite the scripts that you're telling yourself. I mean, I wouldn't say the things to my best friend that I was saying to myself. So mm. my self-talk was very limiting. Um, I was limiting myself by what I was telling myself of, I'm not enough. There's shame and guilt and stuff that I wouldn't tell my best friend. So, you know, once I started treating myself, once I forgave myself and then had to rewrite the scripts that I tell myself. So just that daily self-talk. So you can change the tapes in your head. And it's, it's hard because it's something probably you've been telling yourself for so long of, you know, this is my life or this is where I'm at, or I'm only this, or I'm just that. And, you know, when you realize that you're a child of God and, you know, you can go anywhere and do anything. You know, and, and the interesting thing about that, Crystal, is that so many women and very successful women don't even realize they have a tape that's playing in their head. So I think, at least I know for myself, and I think that probably it's the same from you based on our conversation, we have to come to that awareness and stop and say, oh my gosh, look at the beliefs that I have. Look how I'm operating. That's right. And, you know, even if you're born with that gene of addiction, and maybe that was a tape that was played to you while you were growing up of, you know, you have an alcoholic, you have an alcoholic gene or like alcoholism is something that you can make a decision um, daily to get a daily reprieve and you can break the cycle. So yes, 
that is part of my gene, but that is not who I am. Perfect. So Perfect. it took a long time for me to get there. <laughs> <laughs> but you are now there, girl, and I'm so proud of you. So after you had a child, you had that two-year pre- reprieve, and then you went back to your abusive ways. You told me you started to feel immense shame and guilt. So have you been able to let these destructive feelings go? Well, I have, yes. I stopped wearing shame and guilt, and that was like last decade. So I'm over that. It doesn't look good on me anymore. <laughs> but yeah, It's not a pretty outfit, is it? <laughs> it's not the best outfit. It doesn't look good on you anymore. Stop wearing that and, you know, put on your new face. And anyways, yeah, I it did. After being a mother, the shame and guilt got even heavier. You know, and it was like just just the backpack that I was carrying. You know, it was just getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And as my daughter is getting older, you know, you're like, are they going to remember this? Are they not going to remember this? Do I remember this? So just it just became too much to carry. Was there a technique that you used to release that shame and guilt, or was it a long process for you? It was a long process for me. It took me about a year of therapy. Um, Well, I went through the step study. It's a twelve step program. Um, It's called the STEP program, and that's the program that I went through and worked for me. I took emotional inventory and inventory of myself, and each characteristic of a feeling then is tied to what's my part in it. So Mm -hmm. if I'm not feeling, if I'm feeling alone, well, what's my part in it? My part in is it um, a feeling abandonment, you know? And why do I feel that? Because I didn't have the connection. So I have this exercise that I take myself through of whether I'm feeling whatever you're feeling, what's my part in it? You know, I'm the only culprit of my life. I'm the, and then once you realize that and you can forgive yourself, then you can also realize that you're the only one that can make the change. So, you know, getting on, drunk, if you will, being, you know, taking away the substance was just one part of it. I was still limited for about a year. I was paralyzed by my self-limiting beliefs. So once I took the substance away, then I was still like, okay, is this all I can do? It just stays sober every day. And that was all I could do at that time. And then it's like, okay, so I'm sober. So what now what? Like get on with your life. What are you going to do about it? Who, you know, how are you going to get out there and help people? And and share your story of those, you know, just like when somebody was there, when I walked in, they, you know, I need to be there for other people. And I decided to recover out loud and write a book about it. And that brought me to you and just all the amazing women that I've met. And wonderful. It's, it's a, and, and it's such an inspirational and path of wisdom that you have developed from that walk that I'm so glad that you're able to share with us today. So I'm going to move on to the next question. So what have you discovered are the critical steps that other women need to take if they want to stop their own self-sabotaging behavior? And another question associated with that, what have you seen happen if they don't take these steps? Okay, so how can you take the steps? What are the steps? First, you have to identify that there's something you want to change. Some people don't mind being hacked because there's no cost to it. So if they're happy with the life they have, you know, not everybody can be the driver on the bus. Everybody has their different seat in life. You know, you need the right people in the right seats on the bus. And some people don't have a, a cost, you know, but cost the cost of not doing your dream is your life, right? So how do you, first you, the first step is admitting, identifying what your boon is, you know, what is your deepest desire, your greatest ache? What do you long for to see in your lifetime while you're here on earth? And then 
asking for help of how to get there, right? You didn't, you haven't been able to get there all the years. So without a team of people and surrounding yourself by the right people, you're still not able to get there. Um, so identifying the right people to put in your life and take the ones out that, you know, aren't serving you anymore. And just realizing that friendships, you know, are reasons, seasons, or lifetimes and people come into your, into your life for that reason. So it's not, it's not a failed relationship. It's not a failed friendship when you have to prune back, if you will, you know, sometimes you got to prune so you can grow. And it's, it's the realization of, is this my pruning season? And am I ready to make a change? So I think that's, if that answers your question of how does somebody take the first step, it's first identifying that you want to make a change. And then two, you have to prune. That's a very good point. And then if they don't identify that and prune, what do you see happen for these women? Uh, Yes, a downward, a downward spiral, because First, if you realize that the, you have more to offer than what you're offering in life, you will just be stuck in this insanity, you know, of whether it be your marriage or the role that you play as a parent or the job that you have just above broke, you know, if that is not serving you and how do you get out of that job, you know, that, that you've been doing for so long, or how do you shift the role in your parenting or how do you shift your role in your marriage. I mean, that's a really tough one because men are great and they're great providers and that's a lot of their love languages, but women tend to grow as they become parents and, you know, they grow into different roles. So how do you grow with your partner? It's like doing, um, you know, how do you do a marriage inventory to reset yourself? So being stuck in the cycle of insanity, it's basically insanity if you want to change and you're not able to make it because you're stuck, you know, you're stuck in that. So that's the cost. So that's a big cost, isn't it? They never fulfill their potential. That's right. They never realize their dreams. And on the outside, they may look very powerful, very put together, as you were. Yeah, and in right. the inside, there's this cycle playing over and over and over, record player playing in their head that is constantly a struggle for them. Right. It's it's everything's incongruent, isn't it? It is. It's all attached like you're brain is your supercomputer. You know, when we go back to that word hacked, like what does being hacked mean? Like you think that it's a computer or a bank account, but we're being hacked. And I was hacked for many years by alcohol and substance and then by my self-limiting beliefs. And, you know, our brains are a supercomputer. Our body's made up of systems. And we just have to really be careful about what we're putting in, you know, what's feeding us. And then everything else that's gaining access. Otherwise life just happens to you and you're in this reactive mode instead of proactive mode, you know, like, you know, every time the phone rings or the, your email rings or, you know, it's like putting out fires instead of paving ways. For sure. For sure. So, I'm always fascinated by what highly driven women like yourself use as their self-talk. Now, for you, I want to know, what was your self-talk when you were in the self-sabotage mode? Because you shared that a little bit before the call. Yeah. And I want you to share with those listening and watching what your self-talk is these days. I want, to, I want people to see the contrast of how that changed so drastically for you. Yeah, that's a big contrast. So I'll just go back to my basics of I'm fat. You know, that was the one like I'm overweight. I, I would tell myself that all the time. I'm not enough. I, I have to keep playing small because I, I've created this relationship. Uh, and this is the role that I play in my family. So I can't get out there in front of the spotlight. 
right? I was just playing very small of I'm not enough and, you know, being a supporting character instead of the main character. So that was my self-talk. Basically body image and I'm not enough or I'm lonely. I was constantly thought that if husband was traveling, then I would be lonely. And I, and I played that tape, you know, that I was always left. So I had this fear of abandonment that had came up from my childhood that I continue to play into my other relationships. And then, so how do I, how, what's the self-talk on those top three things now is God made me perfect. He, he is the molder of my clay. You know what I mean? And I'm perfect just the way I am. And a body, a woman's body is made to fluctuate and go through those different cycles, whether you're childbearing or not, you know, and I don't weigh myself, you know, as much as I did used to anymore, go by just how I feel. And it's really more what I'm giving out. It's like, it it doesn't matter this, like everything falls into alignment. When you're, when you're in alignment, your body, it just shows. (laughs) So I used to try to work on the body first and say, Oh, if I could get to this weight, then I can go out there and be in front of people. Or then I can go out there and carry the message. Now I'm like, when I'm carrying the message, the rest all just falls away. And it's like, it's not even background noise anymore. So interesting. The uh, body image thing. And the second one was I'm not enough. Um, I was playing small. And, you know, God doesn't want you to play small. He wants you to be big. And he, he wants you to carry the message. And the world is big enough for everybody to have their own message. You know, just because my partner is out there doesn't mean I can't be out there too. You know, I don't have to be a supporting character. I can be the main character in my own life. And, and I re I rewrote the script and I wrote myself into the main character. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So that's the self-talk that, you know, of being supporting character to main character in, you know, taking a marriage inventory. I rewrote it. That's what I tell myself now is I am the main character and I am the author of my story and I will get up and write the script every day. I'm not reading somebody else's script or going by anybody else's script. I'm writing my own script. And I think that is brilliant advice. And I think it's, it's really right on the way you put it, because we do write our story each day. And that is our choice. And so often women give that power to somebody else to write their story. That's right. And a simple mantra that I have going with that is, all right, like, let's wake up and have a big day. Who wants to have a small day? Nobody wants to have a small day. Let's wake up. My, my daughter and I, we have this little thing. Where we wake up and we're like, yeah, all right. It's a new day. Let's go. Oh, I love it. Yeah, have a big day. You know, who wants to have a small day? Nobody. I don't want to have any small days. I don't want to leave anything on the table when, when my time is up here. So when you open your eyes, the message is set your intentions right there. We're going to have a big day. Yeah, that's right. I wonder how many people open their eyes and say, oh, it's morning. I hate to get up. It's not a good way to start the day, is it? No, it's not. And, you know, being sober and taking those things out of my, you know, being very careful of what I intake, I wake up and feel great. You know, and your body is made to wake up and feel great. You know, so if you're having those aches and pains or headaches or maybe take inventory and say, you know, am I drinking enough water? Um, did I move enough yesterday? You know, there's those small things that I eat enough fruit, vegetables. Those are just those small things, but you should wake up feeling good every day. So if you're not, then that's really something, you know, that you can judge yourself on and say, maybe I need a little tweak here or there. Because they're all signals, aren't they? Yeah, they're all they're subtle. They're subtle signals that you hope that the, the truck doesn't hit you beside the head for you to <laughs> wake up and listen. They're subtle signals and your body at night is 
should be in replenishment mode, right? So when you sleep and rest and reset, that's your reset. You should wake up better the next day. So if you're like hungover or puffy or tired or achy, you know, then maybe yesterday didn't go like it should because you weren't able to reset because your body was in re- recovery mode of whatever trauma you put in it yesterday. <laughs> Whether it be a week of, you know, ice cream and cake or pizza or whatever, you know, that doesn't, that's not live food. It doesn't fill your body and replenish your brain and your muscles and, you know, your joints and stuff. Yeah, you're exactly right. So you have stated that addiction is just a cover for deeper problems and that this addiction can show up not just with alcohol, but also with such things as shopping, sex, work, and gambling. So how does a woman recognize she's in this trap? Yeah, so substance, you know, is a chemical way to let off these endorphins that make you feel good at the moment, you know, whether it be one of those five things, like it releases those dopamines. And it covers up what's really going on. But if your life is in balance and everything's in a line, you can tap into your superhuman natural powers of releasing those things on your own by healthy relationships, by eating good food, by doing the right thing. But some people never understand how to access that. And they think the only way to feel euphoric or or, um, in the moment or not worry about anything else is to take substance. So... There is a way to tap into that. Like, you know, when you shop and you buy something and you're like, woo, you get that rush for a second. And then what happens on the other end, it comes crashing down. And then the remorse and guilt, you know, kick in on the drive home or when you're trying to hide this stuff in the closet or whatever, whatever that looks like for you. (laughs) So yes, you can release those natural chemicals if you just learn how. And that can be done by having fulfilling relationships by exercising and, you know, by laughter. I mean, laughter is so underrated. I mean, and it really is one that releases those chemicals that just make you feel good. It really does. So if someone listening to this, maybe she is a powerful woman that is in this addictive behavior, and maybe for her, it's not alcohol, but maybe for her, it's, it's working till 10 o'clock every night, right. you know, or going shopping every weekend, you know, right. what, one of those types of things. Uh, which on the outside, people would say, well, that's not the same kind of behavior as alcoholism, but it is an addictive behavior. So if they identify this about themselves based on what you have said, what would be their first step to breaking that cycle? Yeah, so then they should get help and take inventory and diving deep in of why they feel, what hole in them are they trying to fill? Hmm. So they're, they're lacking in something and they're trying to fill it with shopping, drugs, alcohol, something like that. So once you stop filling that hole, then you have to identify the hole, right? And then go back into therapy and and reconcile it. This is interesting times we're in, Crystal, because uh, with the pandemic going on, people have a lot of time to take inventory and a lot of time to fill those voids that maybe they were filling with going out to a restaurant every other night or traveling continuously or whatever. And um, a lot of people are having to sit with themselves for long periods of time. So this advice you've given, I think, is really critical right now. It's not to no longer run from it. Yeah, I think this has been a very special time in our world. And, you know, I think it can go either way for some people. You know, I think it's gone both ways for some people. It's been really great. It's been the best thing that ever happened to some people. I know 
this last year has been just phenomenal for me in spite of right everything. And I've seen people go the other way, you know, and I'm just so happy that I had those tools in my toolbox and this foundation going into this to be able to look at the bright side, if you will, every day of, of what's happening and the time that I have with my daughter and the time that I get to work from home and have all these, you know, great connections. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk about a little bit more about alcohol itself. We both know that it's certainly uh, romanticized, uh, especially to our young people. And your efforts, one of your efforts to reveal the truth has certainly started with your book, Quitting to Win, and sharing your journey there. What can other women do to make sure their children or even themselves don't get caught in this romantic illusion? Yeah, well, that's a that's a tough one for a lot of parents because, you know, your kids want to be just like you. And so it's the example that you set for them. So if you're drinking and romanticizing it by, you know, doing it every weekend, then the chances are the cycle will continue. Mm. The only way to break the cycle is to break the cycle. And then the education on it, um, we, we know so much more than we did before, like that Alzheimer's can be related to it, that dementia can be related to it. You know, and after somebody drinks for so long, it just, it does take a toll on their brain, you know, and it's just, how do you want to spend those last chapters of your life? You know, glamorous can go to not so glamorous very quickly. Um, so I think by breaking the cycle, they have to start with themselves. It's that thing like do is, what is it? Do as I say, not as I do. Right. <laughs> and that doesn't work too well with young people, does it? <laughs> I mean, that doesn't work as parents, you know, they start to teenage, get to teenage and they teenage out of that and they're like, Oh, my mom's doing it. I want to do it. Or, you know, I watched her do that for so many years. Yeah, for sure. So your, your book, Quitting to Win, I know that you have something you want to offer those listening. Uh, do you want to tell them where they can find your book? Yeah, I would. Thank you. Um, yep, Quitting to Win is a proven plan to let go of bad habits, learn to feel and love yourself. And it's my journey through releasing the shame and guilt and it's part self-help, part memoir. And you can go to Quitting to Win free book dot com and just pay a little bit of shipping and I will get out to you right away and you can you know pick it up anywhere books are sold but yes that's what I'd like to offer the readers I've it's just amazing the thing the doors that it's opened and you know how people have said you know I'm really going to look at myself and start to heal thanks for giving me the steps and then when they do that there's happiness and joy that they've never experienced on that other side I know that has been true for you for sure yes and a lot of people want to stop stuff, but they just don't know how. That's, I mean, it's like, how do you stop something? Yeah. So it's just those basic steps of people who are curious about breaking their addictions. Well, and, and, and I want everyone listening to know you were a very successful woman on the other side, not the side you're on now, but on the other side, which right. is what was, was also an illusion. Because even though you had all the appearances of success, there was this chaos as we started this podcast talking about. And so any of you listening to this or watching that are feeling that chaos and are willing to take a look in the mirror, pick this book up. It's quittingtowinfreebook.com. And thank you, Crystal, for that generous gift. I think it's it's a great book. So yeah. if you want to connect with me, you can at crystalwaltman.com, crystal, W-A-L-T-M-A-N.com. And then I have more courses and stuff like that. But thank you, Annette for helping me carry the message of hope to all those that still suffer. Yeah. And thank you for being here and thank you for the courage that it took you to go to the other side, because it was definitely a walk of courage, especially when you started off that journey for sure. So 
Crystal, is there anything else about your journey that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with the other women? Um, no, just, you know, connect with me and I have a lot of stuff coming out first quarter, second quarter, and um, I will be out there and around. So you yes. can't do it. You are enough. I love you. And we do recover. Great parting words. I love it. Great parting words. So Crystal, thank you for being with me today. Thank you again for the journey that you're on toward greatness. I can't wait to watch it unfold. And Crystal is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. 